Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching, the community and podcast designed to inspire your mindset and help you take daily action towards your goals and achieve your dreams. I am your host, Gina Johnson. Today on the show, I ask if you have ever made a mistake that took a while to get over. You asked yourself questions such as how did this happen and why? How about losing a couple hundred thousand dollars? Today on the show, you can join me as we walk along Misha's journey through life as he learned a hard lesson, losing a lot of money. He had a curious mindset and looked for the answers to learn what he needed to change to make sure that he didn't make the same mistake again. He is sharing what he learned and his journey. You can tune in to hear the whole story, learn a little bit about cryptocurrency, and if you're interested in buying it yourself, a few tips and resources to help you along your way. Please welcome Misha to the show. Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching, the podcast. Today, I'm talking with Misha, a Tokyo-based entrepreneur, blogger. He writes about tech, Japan, and how to make the most out of life. Today, he is here to share his journey through life about losing money in business, lessons learned, and his expertise with Bitcoin. Misha shares tips on how to live a more productive, happy, and fulfilled life. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Gina. Excited to have this conversation today. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Before we get into your story, will you tell everyone just a little bit about your life? Fill in the blanks of what I just started off with, please. Yeah, sure. So I uh, originally grew up in, uh, in the U.S., uh, so I was in Arizona and Texas. and moved to Japan about six years ago uh, because I was just very interested in the language and the culture. And when I was graduating, a lot of my friends were kind of at a loss of what to do. So many of them went to get another degree or a master's degree and and I um, had been studying Japanese, so I said, hey, why don't I just uh, go to the place where they speak the language that I, I kind of speak now, and maybe I have an advantage uh, in the work uh, workforce. So I moved to Japan and uh, got my first job out of college, and that was in HR and recruitment, which was um, a really challenging but rewarding job where I was uh, helping primarily tech companies, Facebook, Netflix, Amazon, hire sales and marketing people uh, for the Japanese market. Uh, I did that for about five years, and then I quit uh, to travel, and that was something I wanted to do. So I traveled around Southeast Asia, and during that time, long story short, I got into cryptocurrency, started trading and investing, lost a lot of money, and thought to myself, why did this happen to me? Why did I lose $200,000? Uh, what went wrong? And uh, that was kind of the kernel that became the, uh, the book that I ended up writing um, and publishing just a few months ago. So, Well, I love your transparency. Everybody always likes to hear about other people's failures because it always makes us feel better about our own. <laughs> so do you want to dive <laughs> in? Do you want to take us back kind of a bit before and walk us through so we can be there with you? Yeah, sure thing. So I think like many people, um, cryptocurrency was one of the first serious avenues where I got interested in finance and investing. I'd actually done some really basic investments online and, and bought gold and um, actually was dabbling in a little bit of real estate investment, but nothing, nothing really serious. And I, uh, yeah, I just, I just started putting some of my uh, you know, salary into cryptocurrencies and just setting up an account online and just not, not too much money. I mean, it was just uh, maybe a few hundred dollars at first, but 
you know, if you, if you, if you were involved or know anything about crypto back in 2017, prices started to rise pretty quickly and that was quite exciting. So at the time I started putting more money into, uh, into my account and just started trading more, uh, kind of more seriously. And I didn't really have any sort of risk management strategy. I didn't really think to myself, hey, you know, what happens if the price goes down and I lose all my money? It didn't really occur to me that that could happen. <laughs> uh, I thought it would just continue going up and that sort of euphoria continued and uh, it kind of uh, climaxed in 2018 when um, you know Bitcoin went to something like $20,000. So it, it just, you know, when I bought at a thousand dollars, you know, went up 20, 20 times the price, which is, you know, it's it's a ridiculous uh, gain for any any industry, and it's the you know best performing financial asset in history. So, I was really really bullish, um, just from seeing that firsthand, experiencing it, but then also all the great things you hear online and all the all the great speakers and maximalists, you know, proponents of Bitcoin. So you kind of pick and choose what you what you want to hear, but then. Uh, you kind of ignore all the other people that were saying, hey, this is a bubble, this is going to crash, this is not sustainable. I kind of ignored that advice. And um, fortunately, I did pull out some money, so it wasn't like I was totally wiped out, but there was a point where I was sitting there and just watching my account just go down and down and down. And then I was like, hmm, it's going to go back up. Don't worry. So it happens. And then as we know, the bubble burst. It went back down to whatever thirty five hundred dollars from from its peak, um, and and uh, you know I think it was a really good lesson. Yeah, in risk management and, and having a plan, which I did not have. So I think that was my my first big lesson is make sure you have a plan and make sure there's some sort of process you put in place because ultimately you will be at the whim of your emotions. And uh, you don't want to be in that situation. So, so that was kind of the very first big takeaway that after, after all that happened, I sat down and said, okay, yeah, maybe I should make a plan when the price goes back up in the future and we have another bull market that I need to be ready. And I know there's people out there that have had a similar experience or will have an experience like that. And um, apart from all the institutional investors and professional investors, they don't need this advice, obviously. But for an amateur investor that's coming in, you know, someone that's in university even that's bought their first cryptocurrency, they're not going to have any real finance experience. So they're just going to kind of throw money in there and then, you know, that, that, that's going to be the end of it. So keeping that kind of perspective in mind, I, um, yeah, I, I kind of started writing about that and blogging about it actually. So I was doing a lot of blogging on Quora and Medium and, um, a lot of people started to reach out to me and ask, you know, what, what's, what's your plan and, you know, how would you do this or how would you invest in this? And so that's when I knew there was some sort of interest in this because not a lot of people were talking about the really basic kind of risk management strategies that you should implement. So um, an, another thing is, I, I don't know if you're familiar with any cryptocurrencies, like a, a, kind of a, a funny a funny one that, that was invented is called Dogecoin. So it was kind of a joke at first, but it it was just yeah just some currency with a a little meme. Uh, so so the the symbol for the currency was like a Shiba Inu dog from Japan, and it was like a meme. And then they made that the kind of brand logo for the for the currency. 
and uh, and then it was kind of supported by the Reddit community. Mm-hmm. And so people and, and that, that blew up pretty quick, right? Because Reddit it, things go very yeah, viral very quickly. So um, that picked up, and I remember back in 2014 or 15, they whenever we had the Sochi Olympics, the Reddit community actually used Dogecoin, this cryptocurrency, to uh, raise like twenty thousand dollars to to bring the Jamaican bobsled team to um, to the Sochi Olympics. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's pretty silly, but and it doesn't make any sense for people that are not in crypto. It's like, how, what is this currency? Like, why didn't they just raise U.S. dollars? And uh, the the answer is like, well, it's it's um, you know you're you're living in an age where there are a lot of people that have grew up with the internet, obviously, and um, things are just easier online if you have some currency uh, that's already kind of inherent to the internet, where the U.S. dollar is not. It's been around for a while, obviously. So you have all these currencies that are born on the internet. I think that's really appealing uh, because they're really easy to use and there's no barrier to entry. So anybody, anybody can come in. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're on Wall Street or if you're a farmer in Peru, like you can literally go and buy cryptocurrencies and that makes it very, very dangerous um, in some ways (laughs) because anyone can invest, but it's also very appealing. Um, for 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 everybody. So, so I think um, you know a, a lot of people have these little communities they're in. They're involved in different cryptocurrencies. But at the end of the day, you know you cannot control the price. You have no influence over the price. So another second big lesson I learned is regardless of your affiliation or how positive or confident you are that something is going to happen in the future, like X coin is going to go up or Bitcoin is going to go up, um, always have cash. Mm-hmm. Um, cash. Cash is really king yes. because you're, you're not going to measure your life in the amount of Bitcoin you have or Dogecoin you have or whatever. Um, so I think just remembering that ultimately in order to spend the crypto you get, you're probably going to have to sell it and get dollars or yen or pounds or euros or whatever. Um, so having some reserves and having some, yeah, just, just, just remembering that you, you have to have cash at the end of the day and that will, um, maybe, maybe help your kind of trading and investing a bit. So you're not just putting in hundred percent of your capital into, into one, one currency. So you're the first person that we've had the pleasure of talking with about cryptocurrency. And I'm wondering if I don't really understand it, if there's other people, can you give us just like the crash course for beginners on how it works? Thank you. Yeah, sorry. So I, I just kind of jumped into investing <laughs> and trading and it's, it's probably will go over some people's heads. But so um, so we can start with Bitcoin because I think that's what people are most familiar with. And the easiest way to describe Bitcoin is it's a form of digital money that's born on the internet and the, the one of the biggest use cases and value propositions for Bitcoin is it's not controlled by a central authority. So there's no PayPal, there's no bank, uh, there's nobody in the middle of this transaction. It's all run online uh, through different algorithms and math and so on and so forth. So if I right now wanted to send you uh, money, uh, Bitcoin across the world, all you would have to do is download this little wallet, which is kind of like a browser. Um, and I would do the same, and then I would just put in your public uh, code, and then I would send you 
that, that money, whatever, $50, and then you would receive that within a few minutes. And there's no intermediary. No one can step in and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to shut this down. Uh, there's no central server uh, because it's all distributed. So that makes it really appealing. It's not so apparent in the West why it's appealing because you can go to the store right now with your credit card and buy whatever you want. And you're probably not going to have to worry that your car doesn't work um, suddenly or your bank shuts down tomorrow. Yeah. You know, money, money is relatively stable in the West and our banks are relatively stable. Um, but in the developing world, if you can pick name any country like Venezuela, Greece, Cyprus, Ukraine, there are a lot of recent examples even where uh, in China, uh, where money does face actual borders, it's hard to get money in or out. And I remember when I was in India, I was traveling a few months ago to visit my friend and I was just trying to get cash out uh, from the ATM. And we were in a pretty big city on the east, eastern coast uh, called Chennai. And Chennai, I think it's got a couple million people, maybe more. And uh, we were walking for like two miles just to find an ATM that actually worked. Now, there were several ATMs, but they were just run out of cash. And, wow. and uh, that's just bad management, right? It's bad economic, political management. Um, and it's all tied together with the banks. And so, you know, I think we would never see that happen in the U.S., like where all the ATMs are just empty. Like that would, there would be panic, right? Yeah. So, uh, but, but it, it's, it's a lot more common in developing countries. And so once you take into account that sort of instability, then something like Bitcoin becomes very appealing where you can send or receive this without the government coming in. And like if you were in Cyprus a few years ago, or sorry, if you were in Greece a few years ago, some people woke up and 20 or 30% of their savings was wiped out. Uh, so... Yeah, so, so those situations, again, I, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist or like, I'm not saying this, the, you know, we're going to have an economic meltdown tomorrow, but um, these things are happening in the rest of the world. And uh, another, another point is many of these people in developing countries, particularly in um, a lot in Asia, just where, you know, I'm most familiar with, they don't have access to banks because of different cultural historical reasons financial inclusion is um, really, really reserved for people that have some money. So if you're making a few dollars a day, the bank doesn't care. Like they're not going to, they're not going to um, set up a bank account for you unless you deposit whatever, a couple hundred dollars. So, so there's a lot of discrimination and lack of banking, which it makes it very hard for people to start a business. It makes it hard for them to kind of have a savings that's safe, as you can imagine. Um, it's, it's not good. And so there are already a lot of companies, not even crypto related, just, just financial like technology companies that are trying to take advantage of this or trying to solve this, this problem where uh, I'll give you one example. So in Indonesia, there's a, an app that's kind of like Uber. So it's like Uber uh, for motorcycles. So you can rent a motorcycle. Cool. A motorcycle driver can, can drive you around. And uh, tens and thousands of people are using this in, in Indonesia, and you can um, you know, pay pay with your app, and everything goes through the app. You don't need a bank account to to become a driver. Wow. So what's happening is there's all these people that are suddenly having these uh, kind of 
ride-sharing jobs, and then they're getting all this money, and they have all this money in this app, and so how do you spend it? Well, the company is called Gojek, and they went out, and then they just started creating their own payment solution and partnering with all these e-commerce shops and uh, offline shops as well. So now you can actually go use this app, scan your QR code, and pay for things in the real world. And so there's no bank involved, right? And so there was already a use case that kind of grew organically um, in, in a developing country. And crypto is just another example of that where you have a big gap in, in, in the current you know, market of, of people that are unbanked and, or have really high fees to send money across borders, like sending money from the Philippines to the US, remittances with the Western Union is very expensive for someone that's only sending $100 you know, 10 or $15 of that is, is uh, taken away as a fee. Mm. So for the majority of the world, that's a big deal for maybe for us, that's not a huge deal. Uh, so, so I think, uh, that was kind of a very long answer, but in the, um, going, going back to maybe how it's relevant for people in, in the West, um, I think it basically just provides another option if you're talking about the financial side. So you have dollars, you have yen, maybe you hedge your money in pounds. Um, and then you also hedge your money in Bitcoin. It's another way to send and receive money online, and um, it just gives you essentially another option. So that that's that's kind of one general use case that I would um, support. So. so now if you have Bitcoin and you're going to somewhere in the Eastern world, can you use your phone to use your Bitcoin to buy your produce, say? Yeah, yeah, depending on where you go. I mean, you know, really, really all it is is a string of, of numbers and letters. Mm -hmm. So as long as you have that string of numbers and letters or a QR code, which is linked to that, you can send and receive anywhere in the world. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not that many businesses offline that really accept crypto. Um, but there are a few in Japan where I live, a lot of large, like electronic stores mm -hmm. support Bitcoin. So that's pretty cool. Some companies pay salaries in crypto already, a portion of a portion of an employee's salary. So there's a lot of adoption here from that perspective because crypto has kind of got a history in Japan since there was a large one of the first exchanges, kind of where you go buy and sell crypto, was in Japan and it was hacked. Oh my! <laughs> unfortunately, uh, for a lot of money. And I lived right across the street from that place. Interestingly, I uh, didn't know it until later, and then. It was called Mount Gox. And um, yeah, so because that happened, the Japanese government was like, okay, we need to make sure this doesn't happen again. So they wanted to protect consumers. So they came in really early on and created regulations around crypto because that happened, mm -hmm. which actually ended up really well because now now the, the laws are pretty clear on, on what you can and can't do. So overall, it's, it's a, I think it's a positive thing. Is there an app you can recommend for someone that wants to get started? Yeah, so... You can go on, so, there, so there's a couple of different things. So if you want to buy and sell crypto, like connect money to your, to, uh, connect it to your bank account, so send like dollars to, to your crypto account, then you have to use an exchange. So, so that would be a big exchange that is quite stable and also insured is called uh, Coinbase. So Coinbase is a big one. There's also uh, Binance. And um, there's one that's in Japan, but it's also legally, you can use it anywhere in the world. And as a U.S. citizen, um, you can uh, register. It's called Liquid. And uh, they, they're they the biggest in Asia. So, 
So you can go and buy and sell on, on those platforms. Or if you just want to download a wallet, you can do that today for free. And if you have a friend that has Bitcoin or you can uh, kind of receive Bitcoin from them, you can download a wallet called Copay, C-O-P-A-Y. And that, that's a free free wallet as well. It's, it's, it's quite secure. It's been around for a while. So. So I'll link all this in the show notes and sure. <laughs> in case someone's listening right now and they're like, oh my gosh, I got to pull over because uh, you're, you're just sharing so much knowledge and that gives somebody, you know, everything they need to get started. Thanks for that. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like scams out there still. I, I think certainly less than there was a, a year ago and there's a lot of great information, great YouTubers. Uh, Andreas Antonopoulos is uh, probably the most famous YouTuber and proponent of Bitcoin. He's, he's a great speaker and uh, he's been living off Bitcoin for the past 10 years, really. So he's, he's doing well. And uh, I think, you know, you, you just you do have to do your research. You do have to still uh, do your due diligence and research, even though Bitcoin's been around for 10 years. Like there's there's a lot of new stuff popping up every day. And I think it's best to kind of stick with some of the tried and true products that, uh, you know, have obviously good reviews, J just like you would do research for anything else. Don't just jump into it and, and buy the first thing you see, right? So all the same rules apply. Sounds good. If you're listening, you're just tuning in now, I'm talking with Misha Yurchenko. You can find him at mishayurchenko.me. Everything will be linked into the show notes. And this is great information if you want to know about Bitcoin, if you want to start getting involved. One myth that you dispelled of mine today is I thought it was only for big investors or people that were putting in thousands of dollars, but $50 to $100, almost anybody could start there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are some exchanges where, I mean, if you have a friend that, that's that's into Bitcoin, for example, uh, they, they're probably on several different exchanges and they can send you a link to their exchange and you might even get like $10 free Bitcoin or something as a referral. So there's a lot of different uh, kind of campaigns like that. But, but yeah, you can invest as little as like $1 or $5. I mean, it's not, it's not really, um, it's not about, uh, the, the amount you in, in invest. I think everything is like incrementally, uh, broken down. So you can buy, you don't have to buy one Bitcoin, right? You can buy 0 0.11, 0 0.001 of Bitcoin if you want to, it's, um, whatever denomination, uh, fraction, uh, that, that you like to, um, invest in. So, Cool. So now if I take you back to your story, what happened? You, you told us, you know, you're sitting here, you're watching all this money just like poof gone. And I, I can only imagine how upsetting and difficult that must have been. Where did you go from there? Yeah, so there was a lot of regret, of course, and just banging my head against the wall. Like, why, why, why? Um, from from there, I I mean, I was, I was largely doing this by myself. I mean, there were a couple of friends that I was talking to at the time who were also trading, but perhaps not spending as much money as I was. Uh, but uh, I decided to seek out some help, uh, some mentorship, and I didn't find any like specific individual, but I ended up joining a group, which uh, which was it's actually based in Austin, Texas, where I studied. Uh, so I had some uh, connection there. And it was a group started by uh, a guy who's been trading crypto for several years now and also a venture capitalist and angel investor. So he's had a lot of kind of long-term investing experience outside of crypto. So I thought they were pretty credible. And then they, they built up this really small community of maybe 50 or 60, 60 people. So I'm not, this is not a plug for that community, but um, I, uh, I, uh, I joined, I joined and then they really, uh, they were really great because they, they basically, um, 
lay things out very, very uh, clearly and said, hey, you know, we're not going to give you any financial advice, but maybe, you know, you should look at these these things on how to manage your risk. And so the way that they describe things is very, very uh yeah, just just modest and clear, and there wasn't any sort of euphoria or excitement around it. It was actually just kind of down in business, like this is how you invest, this is what you should do, this is what you should not do. I really liked their approach, and so what I did was I just started participating in that community. I started sharing my my trades, what I was doing, what mistakes I made, and that was really nice just to kind of get it off my chest. Yeah. And people would respond and say, "Oh yeah, you know, I also lost money or whatever," and and uh, they would kind of start sharing uh, what they did. And uh, it was it was just good to have a community to talk to um, and uh, also share best practices. And and before I went back in and started investing any more money, I, I spent, I'd probably say two or three months just in that space talking to people and, and figuring out, you know, what to do next time uh, th- things go up. So I think that was really important just to, to take a step back and uh, have some time to reflect and, and uh, not just quit or or jump back in too fast. So, um, so so that that's I think one thing I would say is the worst advice is usually free. Not always, but a lot of bad advice is free. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know you you can get good kind of general direction and advice from from people. If you can see that people are successful and credible, then you can make a judgment call whether or not you should listen to that person. And yeah, maybe they're tweeting or whatever. But usually if, if someone's going to sit down, you know, if you're going to have a, a, a day by day kind of communication with some community or a group of individuals and they're kind of sharing really, really specific details, like nitty gritty stuff, then that's usually not available online. I, I feel like a lot of that is, or not available for free. I yes. think a lot of that stuff is um, through one-on-one coaching or it's through some, some paid paid videos or, or, or whatever. So that, that's kind of my experience. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions to that. And especially if you are already kind of uh, have experience in, in, in finance or you, you've, you've done some investing before, then this may be more evident to you or apparent. Uh, but especially for someone that's just starting out or has only been in crypto for a couple of years, I think it really does help to to go in and see how professionals do it. And then you can copy them a little bit and shadow them and then go off on your own and, and create your own style and, and method. Yeah, yeah. I find this too because when I started podcasting, there was there's always these like trolls in the community. So if you post something, they're like, oh, I'll help you. And then you start talking and it always leads to paid. So I ended up joining mm-hmm. the world's biggest podcast group, which of course was a paid membership. And then there it's like the advice is great because the guy who did it had a number one podcast back when they mm-hmm. first started and he had success and he posted very transparently how much his income was. Is that kind of what you mean? Is you want to see that success that, coming? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I mean. And, and you made a good point. Like one of the reasons I think it's paid or a lot of the good advice is paid is not because those people need the money. It's not because that number one podcaster guy needs the money. It's it's because if you don't have it paid, you will have a lot of trolls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you'll just have a bunch of like people that aren't serious. They're just kind of posting or involved in, and uh, they're not really contributing to the community. But if you have people paying a hundred dollars a month or $200 a month, like they're pretty serious. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be contributing something or, 
or they're not going to be contributing anything at all and just kind of like watching. But um, they're not they're not going to be trolling or spamming because like they're going to get yeah they're going to get kicked off right and they're not going to pay for it in the first place. Tell us a little bit about what you offer. I know you have a book and you have like different um, levels of things. If people are interested in knowing more, will you just run us through that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I I write most of so I write most of my blog posts on Quora and Medium and my personal blog. I also have been doing a lot of the past few months. I've also been doing a lot of consulting and marketing for uh, blockchain startups, actually. So a lot of them have reached out to me because they've seen my writing on certain topics in crypto. And, you know, one of the things is these, these companies have a hard time marketing because Facebook and Google has restrictions on crypto marketing. Like you can't have a Facebook ad with Bitcoin in it. So, so they kind of crack down on that. So it's quite difficult if you're a new project, how do you, how do you do paid marketing? And, and one of the best ways to do that is influencer marketing, uh, or yeah, just, just having good content, good long form content. So I help, I help those companies create long form content. Um, other than that, I, yeah, I have, I have the books. Um, I've, I've written my book bullish on Bitcoin and this is, this is essentially the book I wish I would have read before I, I started trading. And, uh, I've tried to include my own kind of experience. And then also I've interviewed, uh, dozens of, of different blockchain startup CEOs and asked them for their advice and asked them what they think the future will look like and, um, what they're excited about. So, so there's a lot of great information in there. And, um, if people ever want to talk about crypto, I'm, I'm available and just reach out to me via my blog and always happy, happy to chat. So. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to share with us and ask all my guests this. Can you tell us what is your favorite book and podcast? Sure. So I've uh, cycled through favorite books. They change every time I get a new favorite book. But my most <laughs> my most recent favorite book is uh, one maybe you've heard of or your listeners have heard of. It's called Un- Unscripted. Unscripted by MJ, MJ DeMarco, I believe is his name. And this is, this is kind of like, if, if you've enjoyed the four hour work week, I mean, so many people have read it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, changed so many lives and I've, I was influenced by it as well. Unscripted is kind of like an updated version of four hour work week, except a lot more uh, vulgar and funny. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So this guy is just, uh, he's not a famous entrepreneur. He hasn't been funded, like he just bootstrapped his own thing, failed a bunch of times, finally succeeded, and then just is calling BS on a bunch of people. Um, and it's just, he's a good writer. That's the thing. Like he's actually really good at painting a narrative of uh, why, you know, why the nine to five sucks and why you should quit and all that. So I really recommend it. Awesome. And uh, favorite podcast. I, I like long form podcasts the most just because I feel like with the, kind of Twitter culture we're in, it's, it's hard to get really in-depth content sometimes. And so uh, there's a podcast that I'm sure you're familiar with is the Sam Harris podcast or the waking up. I think it's called the waking up podcast. And Sam Harris is a neuroscientist slash writer, philosopher. uh, And uh, he just has like two or three hour conversations with smart people doing, uh, doing, big things and and he's very intelligent himself and so the 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 level of conversation is just like you know you're listening to it and you have to like slow it down and like kind of to you know to take a breath like okay what did they just say and uh 
and it's just really it's just really interesting to hear two smart people go back and forth and, and usually he's debating something so I really really enjoy that even though I don't always keep up with it necessarily so that is a really long podcast yes it's very long <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check that out because I have a six-hour drive coming up this weekend both ways so thanks <laughs> Yeah, maybe you can listen to two or three. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we're coming into a landing. I just want to leave off with if there's anything that you would like to share that you feel called to share, please go ahead. The mic's all yours. Yeah, sure. So I, I think I've, I've mentioned a, a few things already, but I would say for anybody that is wanting to get into crypto and feels that it's too late or things that the ship has already sailed, um, I would beg you to reconsider I don't think the ship has sailed. Uh, I've, talking, I, I've spoken to many, many entrepreneurs who have teams of, of dozens, hundreds of people that are working on, on products in the crypto space to build things this year and next year. And uh, there, there's a lot happening in the background that you don't necessarily see in the news. So I would say it's absolutely not too early. Um, and, oh, sorry, not too late. Um, and uh, I, would, I would encourage you to do your own research and to kind of jump in and and uh, yeah, try things out for yourself. Welcome back. I learned a lot from Misha. There's many things I've taken for granted, such as being able to have a bank account. And when I started my small business, I didn't have any difficulty opening one. It was a real eye-opener to learn about the challenges the Eastern world faces and to learn how Bitcoin and other apps are helping small businesses and workers. If you learned something from today's interview and you enjoyed it, please share with someone that you feel will also benefit from Misha's story. I was really inspired about how even though he had lost a lot of money, he was able to find a mentor and ask those honest, hard questions. What is it that I did wrong? What can I learn from this experience? And then to take that and be able to help others. And I really encourage you today whatever challenges and difficulties that you're facing, that you have the courage and the resilience to be able to keep trying to go back, to ask those tough questions, and to be able to find someone to mentor you or help you along the way. Next week is a holiday, so there won't be a new show. However, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can receive our daily coaching videos and get new podcasts when they come out right to your Facebook or Instagram page. So until the next time, thank you so much for being a part of the Synergy Mindset Community.